networking is in the top three things that you need to do in order to increase the likelihood that your business is going to be successful. Because in most cases, you can't do everything alone. And uh, a lot of books have been written about entrepreneurs taking on the role of not only being the entrepreneur, but also the doer of all of the work, because nobody knows it better than them and no one can do it as well as them. And so they're going to do it all. And at some point they just can't and they either collapse and it folds or they awaken and say, you know what, I need others who can also do this work and I'm going to go out and find them. Your inner voice has been drowned out by the noise around you, but you've always had a deep desire to make a difference. And now you're ready to step into your greatness and develop the identity you need to build towards your ultimate goal. Welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. Making the world a better place by unleashing human potential will help you create your own reality by increasing your self-awareness, cultivating an unstoppable mindset, and finally finding the passion, purpose, and true self so that you can live the life you are always destined to live. Now, welcome your host, a lifelong learner and growth mindset savant, a former architect turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Tibor Nagy. What is up, Mindset Nation? Welcome back to the Mindset Horizon podcast. I'm immensely grateful for each and every one of you who tuned into this podcast today, the Mindset Horizon podcast. And if you feel like you're getting value out of these conversations, I would highly encourage you to join the Mindset Nation Facebook group, a global community of Mindset Horizon, where I'm there every single day to support you, to answer your questions, either if it's connected to the podcast episode topics or if it's connected to your goals and aspirations in life and business, I am there to support you for free every single day. On top of all that, I go live every Thursday for at least 30 minutes so that we can get to know each other even more. I can answer your questions or teach you more about mindset, entrepreneurship, content marketing, branding, or podcasting. You can join the Mindset Nation community at mindsethorizon.com forward slash mindsetnation once again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash mindset nation, or simply go to our website, mindsethorizon.com. And in the main menu on the top of the site, you will find a button that says mindset nation. And there you can join the global community of like-minded listeners. I'm super excited to welcome you and connect with you in the Facebook group. And now let me introduce today's guest. So my guest today is Ed Everts, who is a leadership coach, team coach, strategist, podcast host, an author who helps successful leaders raise their visibility and value in their organization and industry. He also coached international executives in the Program for Leadership Development at Harvard Business School. In this former role as president of the New England chapter of the International Coach Federation, ICF, he was deeply involved in advancing the coaching profession and serving as a nonprofit leader. In today's episode, we talk about Ed's transitioning from the corporate world to entrepreneurship, the importance of networking as an entrepreneur, how to raise your visibility and drive your career. If you want to find out more about today's guest, then check out the free resources, book recommendations and detailed show notes. Simply head over to our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast. That's again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast. You can also use the search bar on our website where you can simply type in Ed Edwards to find the episode's show notes page. And so Mindset Nation, without any further ado, let's welcome today's guest. Hi, Ed, and welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. 
Thank you, Tibor. I am thrilled to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on again. I'm super excited to have you on. And uh, I wanted to start this conversation with your with your journey, with your personal story, and let's say so entrepreneurial journey, because you transitioned from the corporate world to entrepreneurship, and uh, you became a leadership coach, team coach, strategist, podcaster, author, and all these things. And uh, I, I'm thinking about, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs, aspiring impact-driven entrepreneurs, coaches, thought leaders, consultants uh, that want to create something on their own, maybe turn their passion into a profitable business. So I'm curious about your story. Well, I would consider myself to be a classic case study in corporate to consulting. And my, <laughs> my story began in, not too long ago. It began in 2008. And up to that time, I had been what I would consider to be a classic corporate employee, working in large organizations in a variety of roles and titles, providing a variety of services that were always changing. And the island I was on was getting a little bit smaller and smaller until one day at the end of 2007, my boss called me in to talk about my performance review, which was uh, late at that time, but uh, she called me in to talk to me about it. And announced at that meeting that my performance review was not complete, but more importantly, a decision had been made to terminate my employment at the company. Wow. And so, you know, that was completely unexpected. I had a, I thought a great run at this organization. I thought I had a great experience at this organization, but mm -hmm. you know, these, you know, these decisions get made. And so I was really tossed out into the world of transition and unemployment and instantly needing to think about what I was going to do next. The good news is that a colleague gave her notice at work at a subdivision of the organization, and she was going to be leaving that December. And so my boss came back and asked if I would step in and take over her role for six months, which would take me until uh, the end of May of 2008. Of course, I said yes, because I had no idea what I was going to be doing. So I said, absolutely. Yeah, I'd, love yeah. the, I'd, lo I'd love the work and I'd love the income. And it would provide me time to think about you know, what mm -hmm. I needed to do next. And so wow. I, uh, I accepted the role at that point and left at the end of May uh, 2008. Wow. And um, after this experience, you basically decided to become an entrepreneur. So when you, when you eventually left the corporate world, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, you know, I was curious, so I had this question in my mind, like, why did you decide to become an entrepreneur? Uh, was there a particular reason or motivation behind becoming an entrepreneur or why entrepreneurship? Yeah, you know, so when I think about my transition, again, I had not been planning on leaving. I didn't have these grand business designs that I had been formulating for years. You know, I considered myself to be a classic corporate employee, and sometimes I you know, wake up in the middle of the night thinking I'd still be there today if yeah. I hadn't been kicked out the door. So the day she told me that my job was eliminated was actually the worst day of my professional career. Wow. I will tell you 12 years later, I look back on that day and it is the best day of my professional career because it tossed me out into a whole new environment and a whole new world. And, you know, the first thing I would say is that I made a decision that I did not want to go back and work for a company that mm -hmm. I, you know, had been doing it now for, you know, 20, 25 years. You know, I was just tired of that environment. I was tired of not feeling successful, not making progress, uh, having a job and getting paid, but 
you know, I don't know if we ever achieved what we wanted to achieve, right? There were all these factors, you know, influencing me that, quite frankly, when I look back on it, I said, you know what, I don't know if I am as successful professionally and personally as I would want to be. You know, what are my achievements? What are my hallmarks? What am I leaving on the world that no one else has left? And I couldn't really think of something. So because it was the summer, I spoke with my significant other and said, I'm going to network during the summer. And I'm going to explore this idea of doing two things. One, starting my own business and then figuring out what that business was going to do, right? Because those are two different decisions, right? Yeah I, could, yeah. I could have started my own business and had done dry cleaning or car repair, right? But, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I had to not only start my own business, but also figure out what I needed to do. And to make a much longer story short, coaching became very clearly an area both of high interest to me and of high experience to people who I had worked with. And so I made a decision that I was going to start my own business, which was huge at that point, as well as grow my skill set around leadership coaching. And while I had been doing coaching as an HR professional throughout my career, I had no training. I had no experience professionally. You know, I didn't call myself a coach, et cetera. So when I say I'm a classic case study, I started from square one. I had wow. no clients, no income, no logo, no title, nothing. And I had to start and build a business, which today, you know, <laughs> fortunately is productive enough that I can continue to do it. Wow. That's pretty amazing. And first of all, congratulations on that. And uh, thank, thank you, you so much for, for sharing the story. I think it's really inspiring. And also what came to my mind, because you were talking about this, that, you know, after that you had this networking summer and, and things like that, which reminded me of my story. <laughs> I talk about this on the podcast, so I shared it a couple of times. I want to share this with you today as well and with the listeners that I transitioned from architecture to podcasting and personal development. And, uh, you know, what I talked a lot about on the podcast is that you know sometimes you might feel that you are lost so uh, I'm just curious about your story like did you feel that you were lost at that time you know looking for the next step in entrepreneurship and the you know what is the business idea what is the business model like I can imagine that you know for some reason either people get laid off from their work or they uh, want to start something on their own they are in this corporate environment and they feel that they don't really know what the business idea is. They just feel that they want to start something on their own and they might have a time uh, where they are exploring different things and they might, you know, feel lost um, during those times. So did you have something like that? And if yes, what would you recommend to the listeners? Well, a couple of things that I would say. One is, and to be completely candid with you, Tibor, and with your listeners, my shift to entrepreneurialism was very reactionary, right? I wasn't some person who always envisioned having his own company and doing his own work and feeling very proud of the work that he was doing. And as I mentioned earlier, it's possible that if I hadn't been kicked out the door, I'd still be there, right? So it's yeah. shifted my life significantly. And I am a big believer in things happening for a reason. And so, you know, I think I got kicked out the door for a reason. And that was because I needed to be doing something else it wasn't happening where I was, and I needed to go figure it out. And so I got kicked out the door, 
<laughs> not just literally, but physically, you know, uh, said that my job was over. Yeah. And, you know, I fortunately took a step back and said, okay, so this is now a significant shift and pivot in my life. I want to be in more control of what I'm doing. I want to drive the direction I'm going in. You know, what do I want to do next and how I want to do it? And, you know, I will tell you that at no time throughout this transition, have I ever felt lost? Because once I started networking and meeting people who were doing coaching and already had successful coaching practices and were both independents, meaning one person running a business to companies that had, you know, 50 coaches on their platform and, you know, were larger kind of global entities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I said, I said to myself multiple times, I can do this. You know, there's nothing that I'm hearing. There's nothing that I'm seeing. There's nothing that I'm experiencing that I can't do. And if I can make the turn, and that to me is one of the biggest lessons, which is really, if you can make the turn, I will be successful at this. So I needed to do a couple of things to ensure that I could make the turn. But I just want to re-mention something I had just said, which is I always knew it would work. And wow. that may be counterbalance that feeling of lost that some people might have. And trust me, there were months where I had no income. So it's not like I became a leadership coach and suddenly was bringing in, you know, tens of thousands of dollars per month, yeah, you know, yeah. there were, you know, several months early on and probably within the first two to three to four years where my income was highly inconsistent, low, uh, highly irregular, but it was tracking in the right direction. And I said, you know, once I get to this point, then I'll get to the next point. And once I get to the mm -hmm. next point, I'll get to the next point. And I'm not looking to be a billionaire, but I, I do want to have an income that I can support my spouse and our two children and live a stress-free financial life, right? So, mm. uh, you know, I never knew, uh, you know, that feeling of loss that I think others feel on that front. And for two quick reasons that I'd like to share with you, one is as you shift to an entrepreneurial mode where in the short term, income, lifestyle, structure becomes much more un structured and un, uh, inconsistent, et cetera, yes. you, have, you have to have significant other support. So whether it's a spouse or a significant other, a friend, whatever, somebody has to be there with you to keep saying, keep going, make it happen. You're on the right path. Fortunately, I had that. And I had somebody who was a you know FOE, friend of Ed, right? So she yeah. kept me going on that front. And then secondly, you need to be in good financial condition, meaning, again, you don't have to be a billionaire, but you don't want the reason for you to give up on your entrepreneurial dreams to be, I couldn't afford it, right? I, I had expenses, rent, college tuition, car, whatever it might be, and I had to get a job because I had to live. So it helps. I'm not saying it's mandatory, but it helps if you have a good financial platform, because when I left my last company to transition to independence, Mm -hmm. My income went from whatever it was to zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which my wife reminds me of frequently, right? That yeah, you remember <laughs> you, you went from making money to nothing, and you know then you had to find your way back. So wow, I, I hope that's helpful. But you know, uh, I think people do need to have a couple of uh, support structures in their transition. To make it all work, because you can't do it alone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's pretty helpful, and and thank you so much for sharing that. Very great uh, insights. And one thing that I wanted to get back to was, you know, this feeling of certainty. So somehow you knew that it's gonna, you know, happen. 
So how did you cultivate this mindset or or this belief system that it's going to happen? Like, did you work on yourself in terms of, you know, believing in this or or was it just something that you had as a as a mindset? Well, part of it came from my prior career. So I had spent 25 years in human resources and had done informally coaching. So I coached people all the time, but I never called it coaching. I didn't know I was coaching, yeah. but I was I was helping them navigate through challenges that they were experiencing in new and unexperimented ways. And, and so I had some uh, unintended experience in that area. So that was helpful. Two, when I went out and started networking during the summer of 2008, before I made the decision to not look for a job and focus on starting my own practice, I met dozens and dozens of people, all coaches in the coaching industry. And I all asked them after we talked, is there someone else I could talk to? And they all gave me a name and I just kept going and I kept meeting and meeting people. By the time I was done through that step in the process, I hadn't met anybody or there was nothing anyone said that caused me concern or a need to say, I don't know if I can do this, right? I don't know if I can do the model. I don't know if I can do it financially, right? There were no obstacles that were in uh, my way that prevented mm -hmm. me from moving forward. So, you know, I had good experience in the area. I didn't meet anyone that scared me and said, you know, I don't think that I can do this. And in my HR career, I was what they call the generalist, which is somebody who knows yeah. about everything, but only to a certain degree. And with coaching, and this is a significant shift for me, when I left corporate to go to consulting, I wanted to become an expert. So I wanted to not be a generalist in 20 areas, but I wanted to be an expert in one area. And mm -hmm. so even today, Tibor, I'm a student of coaching. I'm learning from clients. I did get certified in coaching early on, uh, mostly just to demonstrate to the um to the marketplace that I was not just an HR person in transition, but somebody mm -hmm. who was committed to coaching, committed to their clients, committed to the relationships, et cetera. So, you know, there were a variety of things I needed to do in order to build my skill set, to build my resume. So it looked like I was serious to the marketplace yeah, yeah. and, uh, and make it, uh, make it successful. And it's a never ending process. And again, I call myself a student of coaching. I tell everyone that, because I don't want anyone to think that I think I'm an expert in coaching. I think I'm pretty good and I think I can help people, but I'm always learning from new experiences, new technologies, new geographies, right? There's always so much to learn on that front. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So it's a lifelong journey, I would say. <laughs> and I'm on this journey with the podcast and you also have this podcast, Be Brave at Work. I was wondering, I wanted to you know, address this topic or podcast a little bit later, but it came to my mind and, uh, you know, I'm just following my intuition. <laughs> and so I wanted to ask you about this topic. So, so why, why, why be brave at work? How, how, how the podcast was or how this came about? Well, a quick story on how it came about is that through networking and I, uh, during my corporate career, I was not a big networker. In fact, mm -hmm. I, I, nobody, when I left 12 years later, I'm now highly known in the marketplace and I have been a avid, avid networker. And that's one of the characteristics of the success of the company is because of that networking. But through that networking, yes. I connected with somebody that I had worked with 20 years ago at a, a former retailer in New England. 
And we said, hey, you know, we're both in the market. We haven't seen each other in a while. Let's go get a cup of coffee. So we met at a local Starbucks and we had a cup of coffee. And he mentioned that one of the things he was working on was starting a podcast distribution company. And I said, wow, I wanted to make a podcast. And he said, you're in, right, Ed? There's no reason why you shouldn't do it. And I said, let's do it. And so, you know, another characteristic, just to mention quickly, uh, Tibor, about transitioning from corporate to consulting is I almost always say yes. So you know, unless the deal is ridiculous or insane, I almost always say yes. So he said, Ed, you should do a podcast. I said, let's do it. I need wow. help getting set up. I don't know anything about the technology. I don't know anything about the platform. I don't know anything about podcasting. And he said, I can help you and let's do it. So he said, what do you think you would want to talk about? And you know, I would tell you, Tibor, that the idea came to me very naturally and very organically, which is, you know, Mark, who is the person that I was talking to, mm-hmm. when I think back to my 12 years as a leadership coach, while I have not been hired to help people be braver in the workplace, in my own experience as a corporate employee and in the experiences of the vast majority of clients that I've worked with, they have a need to be braver. And so I think I'd love wow. to do a podcast to help people realize that bravery is not some obscure activity that only superheroes do, but everyone every day is being brave. And there are things that you need to say and things that you need to do that you're not saying and not doing. And you need to hear from others who are potentially experiencing the same thing and come up with ideas and suggestions and recommendations on how to be brave at work. And he said, great. So since December of 2019, I've been hosting a weekly podcast called Be Brave at Work, where I talk with business leaders uh, coaching professionals, uh, studiers of bravery and psychological safety in the workplace about the topic of bravery at work. Wow. Wow. That's really interesting. I, I listened to the podcast. Uh, actually, I tuned in and uh, listened to the latest episode that was about communication, I guess, yes. and then presentation and, and the fear response. So that was really interesting uh, to learn more about um, psychology or or the neuroscience of you know, having this fear in front of the public, so to speak, which is a big one, I think, for a lot of people. So, uh, yeah, great podcast and um, highly recommend it for your listeners to tune in. I just wanted to mention bravery shows up in a number of key places more often than not. So just as I am a student of coaching, I'm also a student of bravery at work mm-hmm. and of podcasting. But, you know, as I listen to my guests, I'm hearing frequency of experience. What is up, Mindset Nation? I hope you guys are enjoying today's episode and we're going to get back to this conversation very soon after thanking to our sponsors. I'm immensely grateful for each and every one of you who tuned into this podcast today, the Mindset Horizon podcast. And if you feel like you're getting value out of these conversations and want to learn more about mindset, entrepreneurship, or podcasting, or simply you want to hang out with other like-minded listeners, I would highly encourage you to join the Mindset Nation Facebook group, a global community of Mindset Horizon, where I'm there every single day to answer your questions, either if it's connected to the podcast, episode topics, or if it's connected to your goals and aspirations in life and business, I am there to support you for free every single day. On top of all that, I go live every Thursday for at least 30 minutes so that we can get to know each other even more. I can answer your questions or teach you more about mindset, entrepreneurship, content marketing, branding, or podcasting. 
You can join the Mindset Nation community at mindsethorizon.com forward slash Mindset Nation. Once again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash Mindset Nation. Or simply go to our website, mindsethorizon.com. And in the main menu on the top of the site, you will find a button that says Mindset Nation. And there you can join the global community of like-minded listeners. I'm super excited to welcome you and connect with you in the Facebook group. And until then, be limitless, my friend. As a mission and impact-driven entrepreneur, thought leader, visionary, and changemaker, have you ever thought of increasing your online visibility, building credibility, and scaling your impact and business by starting your own podcast? If you've answered this question with hell yeah, now this is your chance. According to Edison Research in the U.S., podcasting is one of the fastest growing medium. So if you're ready to start your own podcast, build credibility and scale your impact and business, I have good news for you. I provide one-on-one mentoring and group coaching programs where I teach how to start your own epic podcast from scratch, build credibility and scale your online presence and business. You can read more about these services at mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast mentoring. That's again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast mentoring. On top of all that, I provide a 30-minute free discovery call where we can see if podcasting is something that can help you scale your brand and business. You can book a free discovery call with me at mindsethorizon.com forward slash free call. That's again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash free call. Or simply shoot me an email at tibor at mindsethorizon.com. That's T-I-B-O-R, tibor at mindsethorizon.com. So Mindset Nation, without any further ado, let's get back to today's Mindset Transforming Conversation. One of the areas that people believe they could have been braver at work is in public speaking, and whether it's in front of a group, at a board meeting, in front of their team, whatever it might be, there are things that they want to say or things that they need to do that they're not saying and doing because they don't, amongst other things, have the bravery to say or do it. There are conversations with specifically your boss that you want to have that you're not having because, quote unquote, they are your boss and you don't want to jeopardize the relationship by being honest and candid. And so we talk about that. And then the third is uh, the need to be braver in respect to news that you need to deliver to people in the workplace and typically negative news like a reduction in force or layoff or mm-hmm. things of that nature. So there are areas that most people experience more often than not. And to your point, the last guest we had on the show is an expert in presentation and public speaking. And, you know, we, we spent a little time talking about that area as well. Wow. Yeah, that was really interesting, uh, especially about the fear response, because, you know, on this podcast, we also talked a lot about actually, you know, what holds people back from reaching their full potential or, you know, starting their own business or going for their dreams and things like that. And fear came up a lot of times, right? So, Fear is holding people back a lot of times to uh, go for their dreams or or maybe start a business um, that we talked about or tra- or or make this transition from the corporate world to entrepreneurship. So, yeah, and understanding what fear is is kind of key. And and one topic I wanted to actually uh, talk about is because you've mentioned it a couple of times, and in one of your interviews you talked about this. You know, the importance of networking from a business perspective, let's say so. So why is this important? Because you've mentioned a couple of times that you started networking 
you was pretty bad at networking at the beginning and then you became very good at it. And so why is it important for entrepreneurs to network? I wouldn't even say I was bad at networking early on. I didn't do any networking. So <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it wasn't that I was bad at it. I, I didn't do it. I was a corporate employee and my focus was my company and I didn't have the time, I didn't have the energy, and I didn't have any need to go out and meet people, you know, even in other areas of the organization or in my industry. And when I left my company, mm -hmm. I walked into a networking meeting with 25 other senior HR leaders who were also in transition. And guess how many of them I knew? All of them? None. None. Not one of them. <laughs> and I no, that's fine. That's how bad. That's how unnetworked I was. So, you know, these are 25 other HR leaders. I had been in HR in New England for 20 years, right? So you'd think I'd know somebody. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, you know, I did not know one of them. So, you know, in order to ensure that my independent practice would be successful, I needed to shift to a more networking mindset. And I would tell all your listening uh, listeners that networking is in the top three things that you need to do in order to increase the likelihood that your business is going to be successful. Because in most cases, you can't do everything alone. And uh, a lot of books have been written about entrepreneurs taking on the role of not only being the entrepreneur, but also the doer of mm -hmm. all of the work, because nobody knows it better than them, and no one can do it as well as them, and so they're going to do it all. And at some point, they just can't, and they either collapse and it folds, or they awaken and say, you know what, I need others who can also do this work and I'm go, going to go out and find them. So, you know, networking, and we could talk for hours about the benefits of networking, but, you know, networking is a great way to ensure that as many people as possible know what you're doing, whether they need it then or not mm -hmm. is secondary, but they know what you're doing because at some point in the future, they may say, Hey, we need somebody who does this. Does anyone know who can do it? And you want your name to be on that short list. Mm -hmm. so, you know, uh, again, we could talk forever about, you know, the concept of networking, but getting out, it's also a great way to practice your story, practice how you have transitioned, practice what you're doing. We all have these stories in our head of what we would tell people. Of course, what we think and what we say oftentimes aren't the same. And so yeah. we have it in our head. And then when we try to say it, it comes out poorly. And so uh, anytime I work with a new client, we always do uh, statements, right, about mm -hmm how you would say this to somebody and you know nine times out of ten their first crack at the bat is poor because they haven't mm -hmm. said and practiced it enough with others and you know that's uh, oftentimes one of the things that we work on yeah yeah absolutely so actually you know uh, when i started podcasting it was about one year ago um i didn't expect uh you know this benefit of networking but actually this this was one of the this has been one of the biggest benefits I would say since I've been I've been doing this podcast, you know, connecting with those amazing people. I expected that I'm going to learn a lot from them, from my guests, and I wanted to create content for others as well. So so I have this platform uh for myself and others. But the networking part was 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 big and and um also from a business perspective, because some of those people uh became also connections and partners. So for example, if we talk about, let's say, affiliate uh, partnerships, if the listeners don't know uh, about such opportunities, you can become uh, an affiliate partner for someone or you can start collaborating with others, which is great. And all these things come from, from networking. 
And uh, I think uh, you also have a podcast. I don't know if you had the same experience with it. Regarding networking? Yes, networking and uh, benefiting from, you know, connecting with those guests, with, with your guests. Oh, definitely. I have found it to be unexpectedly a great way to meet other people in the industry and other thought leaders on areas that are of importance to me. So unintentionally, because I did not start it in order to network or meet people, I wanted to share this topic of bravery in the workplace in a more uh, usable way for the world. Uh, I am now meeting and talking with great thought leaders on this front. And also unintentionally, I'm becoming uh, a growing expert. I'm, I'm by no means an expert at this point, but you know, I'm in the second and third grade of bravery at work. And I hope to do more research. I encourage you to continue to listen because yeah. we're going to continue to get better and better speakers and guests on the topic of being brave at work. This is a topic. And one of the reasons I love it is that everybody experiences it. You know, everybody thinks back on their work experience and there are things that they feel they could have said that they didn't say or could have done that they didn't do. One of the emotions they would feel or attached to it is bravery. And so mm. this is that everyone experiences, yet it's a very finite experience, right? It's a very thin experience. Uh, it's not complex. It's just a feeling you had where I was at a meeting and Tibor once again was taking over the agenda and we're not going to finish the agenda and someone has to say something to him because if he keeps doing this, it's going to ruin our team effort and no one does, right? So yeah. I think back and say, gee, I should have said something or I wish I had said something and we want to give people ideas and suggestions on how to have a very effective and productive conversation with somebody to help influence the direction they're going in positively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. And I was just wondering, because you have this upcoming book, right? So Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success. Uh, do you talk about being brave uh, in, in this book? or We do, but in an unintended way. So there are nine behaviors, Tibor, that I have observed in my 12 years as a coach mm -hmm. that continue to influence or come up organically. So I don't bring them up purposefully, but just in my relationships with my clients, yeah. you, know, you know, four or five or two or three of these behaviors come up and many of them have to do with bravery in the workplace. So for example, one of the nine lessons is playing the hand you've been dealt. And this is about realizing that whether you like your workplace or hate your workplace, it's the hand you've been dealt. And now, rather than trying to figure out whether you like or don't like your workplace, what are you going to do about it? And that's mm -hmm. where I want to work with my clients, which is to be braver at the workplace to say, if something isn't what it should be, or if somebody isn't doing what they should be doing, that's influencing my enjoyment, what am I going to do about it? You know, How do I drive my career and my success at this organization rather than just be a passenger and quote unquote, let that person do whatever they want to do and never say anything. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, one thing that stood out for me, to be honest with you, is uh, the power of curiosity. So would you talk to us a little bit more about this? So it, this is also covered in your book, if I'm not mistaken. It is. So one of the you know key areas that most leaders need to become more effective at and, you know, what's always scary about this is I sometimes tell people this and they look at me and say, really? I mean, people don't already do this. And I'm like, yeah. no, most people don't do this. As we go into most conversations already with our minds made up, 
and already and ready to speak, right? We're ready to talk, tell people what we think. And as they're talking, we're thinking more about what we want to say and how we want to do it, right? So there's a much greater behavior you can do, which is ensure you understand fully what somebody else is thinking. So it's not what you're thinking, but it's what they're thinking. Because the more I know, Tibor, what you're thinking, why you're thinking it, how you came to that conclusion, the better I'm going to be at either debating or challenging or discussing it with you. If I don't give you that opportunity to do that, I could get undercut or overwhelmed by your perspective because I never was curious enough. So I encourage all of my clients for whom this is appropriate, anytime that they're having a conversation with somebody, is to find out what they're thinking, why they're thinking it. Uh, In the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey has seven habits. And one of his habits, which is one of my favorites, is seek first to understand, then to be understood. I will tell you, if most corporate employees first tried to understand others before they attempted to be understood, our corporate environments would be a much better place. But we don't do that enough. We don't try to be the most curious person in the room. We try to be the most intelligent or the most articulate or a speaker, you know, whatever it might be, but not demonstrate enough curiosity so I can understand your perspective before I start sharing mine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To be honest with you, I couldn't agree more. So on my podcast, I talked about curiosity. So I had a solo episode on Fridays. I just stopped this. uh, I stopped producing solo episodes uh, literally last week. So I have been producing solo episodes for six months. And I talked about um, cultivating a curious mindset. (laughs) which I don't know if this term exists because I sometimes come up with my own terms. For example, um, last week I talked about having a future-based mindset or no, vision-based mindset. So sometimes I come up with different terms, (laughs) you know, and um, I think curiosity is, is really, really important. And to be honest with you, I think that's, and now not in the workplace, necessarily but in general always like for me this is what really helped me to you know um find the things that i'm interested in find the things that i'm 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 curious about and and i want to talk about and i want to learn more about especially in the long run and also you know to be curious about others to be interested in someone like you know when someone comes on the show like i ask myself you know what am I curious about this person or uh, what is, what is the essence or what is the one thing that I want to talk about? What is the most important thing that I, that I want to talk about? So for example, with you, I wanted to focus a lot on your entrepreneurial journey. That was the thing that I was, you know, most curious about, I would say, but I think curiosity is important. And uh, one question comes to my mind from this is that, you know, how can someone cultivate curiosity or maintain being curious over time? Because, you know, sometimes there might be a lack of interest, lack of motivation. It depends on a lot of things. So do you have any ideas around that? I do. So as part of the work with my clients on, um, you know, uh, influencing them to be more curious in the Mm -hmm. workplace, there are three questions that most people should ask. And these are very, very basic, simple questions that you can ask. The first one is, what are you thinking? 
So oftentimes someone will come in and say, hey, Ed, I need to talk to you about something. And, you know, they'll tell me a little bit about it, but not everything. Right. So I want to know a little bit more. You know, what are you thinking? Make sure you understand exactly what it is that they're thinking. Why are you thinking it? Right. So where did this come from? What's the motivation? You know, why are you coming to me to talk to me about this? And then the third is what are our options? So what are the multiple ways that we can address this particular issue? And if someone says, you know, I think this is the only way we can address it, I encourage my clients to say, look, I I think I understand what you're working on. I think I understand where this is coming from. I'd like you to think a little bit more about some other options that we might have. I'm not suggesting your current option isn't good, but I want to ensure that we know all of our options because who knows, there might be one that we haven't thought of that could be a little bit better. So take a couple of days, think about those options and let's come back. And that whole conversation, I've never shared anything. I didn't share my idea. I didn't share my thoughts, their experiences. I just found out from them what they were thinking, why they were thinking it, and what are the options. If you can do those three simple things, Tibor, you will have much richer experiences with your uh, peers, bosses, subordinates, vendors, clients, you know, whoever it might be, to understand more about what it is and where they're coming from before you start layering in your thoughts, experiences, perspectives, biases, uh, etc. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's really interesting. So what are you thinking, right? That's the first question. Why are you thinking it, right? Correct. And then what are some other options? What are some options? What are, yeah, some, what options? are some options? What are some options? Okay. Okay. Uh, options meaning any other thoughts and, and opening up other possibilities? Yes, ideas, uh, ways to solve it. And I encourage people to really go back and think about it. So a quick example might be at performance review time, a lot of companies have employees fill out their own assessment. And the employee Mm -hmm. writes all the things they accomplished this year and how wonderful they are. And I did this and did that. And, you know, as a business leader, anytime I would get that type of document from somebody, I would tell them thank you for taking the time to complete this form. I'm not questioning the accuracy of it, but there's nothing in here that tells me what you aren't good at or what you're focusing and working on in order to be more successful. So if you could also let me know, Mm -hmm. in addition to what you're good at, areas of interest that you have, of things you could do better, things this year that didn't go the way they should have, I'd love to know that as well. So it's adding another level of thought to a process that a lot of people already do to help them be a little bit more introspective and a little bit more creative on how they're thinking about their experiences. Thank you so much for sharing. And um, you have written in other books. So I just wanted to mention this, Raise Your Visibility and Value, Uncover the Lost Art of Connecting on the Job. In that book, do you talk more about networking and the things that we talked about before, right? I do. So in that book, there are seven behaviors that, uh, you know, I encourage people to think about. And most of those have to do with connecting with others mm-hmm. and being uh, more active in your industry association. So not just your organization that you work, but whether you're in pharmacy or legal or manufacturing, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. are you more visible in those industries as well? So for me, Tibor, visibility is a bigger umbrella than networking. Networking is a subset activity, but my goal would be I want to be the most visible leader in the organization, not necessarily the most networked uh, leader in the organization. So how do I raise my visibility in my organization? How do I raise my visibility in my industry? And I hope the book can help people 
create a roadmap to be more successful in that area. Yeah, yeah, that's a really, really interesting topic and uh, good point. So visibility as an expert, as a coach, as an expert, what are some ways, again, thinking about aspiring coaches or, or change makers or thought leaders, what are some ways to, to raise your visibility? Well, if, you know, I always encourage people that when they get a question like that, which is a fantastic question, to go back to when they were starting, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm now 12 years into it. And so the things that I do today to be visible and add value are significantly different than what I did originally. Yeah. And so, you know, early steps for early people looking to network mm-hmm. more successfully. And I'm sure many of your listeners might be saying to themselves, I'm highly unnetworked. I don't belong to any organizations. Yeah. I know people at work, but I don't know anybody else. So, you know, there's this great technical tool out there called Google. Mm-hmm. And what you can do is go in and put your organizational industry in, like, again, pharmaceutical engineering or legal or manufacturing or retailing, whatever. There are thousands of networking groups out there of people who are meeting on a regular basis. Now, today, because yeah. of the coronavirus, most of them are doing it more virtually, but it doesn't matter. It's mm-hmm. still a way to connect and meet with people. So people should join or look at at least once a quarter an organization that can allow them to meet others who do what they do. You know, people like to be around people who do what they do. And oftentimes in organizations, you're in finance, you're in legal, you're in information technology. There's only so many people who do what you do. And you want to talk to others who do what you do, even if it's at other companies and other industries. So going out and finding uh industry organizations that you can join and become a member of, even a board member of, is a great way to start this process of uh, building your network. The second thing I will tell you, and then I'll, I'll stop, is the uh, everybody should also have a network list. And so this isn't LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a great default tool to having a network because you can go in and look at everyone you're connected to. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. You, your network list, Tibor, and my network list are the single greatest asset we have as independent practitioners, because nobody else has our list. We might have some overlap. So you know some of the people I know, but the list I have, the list that Ed Everts has, is uh, I'm the only person who has that exact list of those people. And so I need to manage that list. I need to have their names. I need to have their email addresses. I need to have their mailing addresses. I want to connect with them on a recurring basis, not frequently, but once or twice a year, just to ensure that they remember that I'm Mm -hmm. out here. Yeah. And so yeah. those are those are two things that people could do as early step activities to start building their network. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. Really valuable. And as we are coming to the end of the episode, I usually ask my guests about book recommendations. So I'm curious about I'm curious, is there uh, you know, any book that had a huge impact on, on your life or mindset? Well, I did start reading when I was about 15, so <laughs> I have read you know, uh, way too really? many books. I will tell you one of the best books I've read recently, and Amy Edmondson was actually a guest on Be Brave at Work, is called The Fearless Organization, and it's about this concept of psychological safety. So this is something, and I mentioned it, Tibor, because everybody experiences this in the workplace, which is you know how to be psychologically safe on a team or in an organization in order to continue to grow and learn. And mm-hmm. so it's called The Fearless Organization by Amy Edmondson. It's a good read. It's what I call an easy read, right? It's not an 800-page you know, monster, but you know, a couple hundred pages of great information. And it's research-based. So it's not just her opinion or thoughts, but 
it's based on research that has been that has been done to help people understand whether or not psychological safety exists and what they can do if it doesn't. Wow, that's a really interesting topic. So I didn't read the book, uh, but sounds really, really interesting. And thank you so much for sharing. And uh, before I ask my last question, please tell the listeners where they can get in touch with you online. And also, if you want to give away something for free, uh, you can you can also mention that. Sure. Uh, so folks can get to me at uh, on my website, which is excelius.com, E-X-C-E-L-L-I-U-S.com. They can also email me at ed at excelius.com. And right now, we just put this up last week, there's a pop-up box that if you go in and put in your name and email address, you'll get uh, the introduction and first chapter of Drive Your Career Free. That's awesome. And I don't think everyone needs to do all nine ideas that exist in Drive Your Career. So even if you only do and are inspired by the first chapter you read free, I think that would be a huge success for everybody. Wow. Wow. That's really great. Thank you so much for sharing this resource uh, with the listeners. And the links are going to be in the show notes and available on our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast. And my last question is, Ed, what is your mission and what is your future vision? So my mission is to help people build their self-awareness so they can self-manage their relationships more effectively. And my future vision is really to continue to share with the world the true experiences that I'm having with leaders to help them reflect and apply some of those lessons so they can be more successful as well. Wow, that's amazing. And be brave at work. And that's really inspiring. Be brave at work. <laughs> <laughs> and drive your career. Don't be a yeah. passenger. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Tibor. It was great chatting with you and your listeners. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Mindset Horizon podcast. For more information and resources based on today's discussion, be sure to head to our website, MindsetHorizon.com, where you'll also have the ability to join the Mindset Nation community for more insight and empowerment to help you reach your full potential. That's all available exclusively on MindsetHorizon.com.